Life has its ups and downs. Our guests will share their story and their journey through life. They'll share the struggles they hit and how they pivot in a way to come out stronger and better than before. Growing up, we are taught there is one way of life that essentially creates our life's checkmark. You have a choice to go in any direction you desire. As you listen to our guest, you're encouraged to look at your life and the checkmark you created in your mind and readjust if needed after listening to some of the incredible stories told. This is the Life's Checkmark Podcast, and I'm your host, John Emery. Gordon, it's great to be with you. I I got to tell you guys, I traveled almost an hour. <laughs> it sounds like it's a lot, but it's really not. Um, and we got to meet up. So I've been uh, training with Gordon for six months now. And it, I decided to do this back in January because I wanted to change my fitness goals. And it's been a pleasure working with him. Uh, mostly it's been virtually. This is the second time we were able to get together in person. Um, but I wanted to make sure that he came on for the podcast and share his journey, his life, and how he got to be where he is today uh, at his fitness level and helping others. So I'm just going to throw it out there to you, Gordon, you know, just start sharing your story. You know, you can start where you are today and, you know, where you came from. Well, well, <laughs> it's a long story. I don't want to get sure. down, down the rabbit hole too much. because I want to be able to, you know. Uh, have a little bit of a dialogue with it. Um, so let me just give you a little bit of background. I grew up in Croydon, Pennsylvania, and I grew up on the uh, on a boatyard. Mm-hmm. And my dad owned a bait. We owned a bait and tackle shop. He also repaired the lower outboard engines for Chrysler, and he also used to work for a construction company called Norwood. And along the years, even before I was born, my dad was always the the breadwinner. The the he was the Person, he was the man who went out and worked and put all the effort into to it for the family, right? We have, I was one of six, by the way. And my mom was the stay at home mom, very the nuclear family, would stay at home, clean the house, took care of the kids, raised the kids, fed us, always made sure the, the, the food was on the table. She was the empathetic one. Mm-hmm. She was the one who was, uh, she, she was the one who actually took me to my baseball practices, practiced with me. Uh, and my dad would, I seen him and I, and you know, you always hear like one of the things I just recently heard and I'm going, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole with this was that your kids are going to remember if you work all the time, the kids are just going to remember that you work, but that's not the truth though. I think there, I remember that he worked what it did. It was an instilled great work ethic in me, but at the same time. Uh, he he still made time for us, so we had a like I said, we had a boat yard. We had boats on the that he would uh, our own, and we would go out and and he would take us to an island. Him, and my mom would take it. We had this little upper Elton island, and we would have rope swings, and me and my brothers would play. And we we had we did so much. We had a diving board out back where we lived into the, the Shambi Creek. We had docks. We have we had we had a great great life when we were younger. So my dad worked hard, but he gave us a lot too at the same time, and he was there with us a lot. And he and he gave the time that he could when he wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And then my mom, like I said, was the one who took care of us all, and she was the one that did the laundry at the time and things like that. As the years went on, I I. Uh, I we used to watch Incredible Hulk, and this is the story that I tell a lot. That I told a lot. It, it, me and my mom would watch it together. And Lou Ferrigno, you know who Lou Ferrigno is? Oh, I don't. Lou Ferrigno was a, a bodybuilder who went against Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Mr. Olympia. If you ever watched Pump and Iron, 
Pup and I are with Fringers in that, and him and her, it, it was all dialogue. And those two are like, I don't, he's like, doing all, he's like, I don't, he's like, he's gonna go against them. So, but Lou Ferrigno was the one who played the Incredible Hulk years later after that. And he was huge, he was like 300, like 280, 300 pounds, six foot five, six, whatever, how tall he was. And they painted him green, so he looks like a monster. And and I remember watching that with my mom and thinking, I just loved that character so much because he would, he went from this mild, meek little uh, man and then when he somebody hurt him or or usually hurt him physically or, or he, he turns the incredible hawk i think i think as a young man that we had that switch in us because i remember having that that anger in me in a way with a hawk turn yes he becomes angry where somebody would be picking on you or whatever it is and then you just it was just that rage inside you so I, I i related with that right i think a lot of young boys do and that's what a lot of young men gravitate towards superheroes so superheroes are very cool to me so i had the incredible hawk doll and all this stuff and when i say doll it was like a, it had a cage you blast it apart and so it, it was really cool and i watched the cartoons and as years went on I, like I said, I'd be watching and I'd be, and I'd be, at my, I'd be in the back in the house and I'd be throwing things down. My mom would be like, oh, you know, don't break anything, but you're a kid. So I wanted to be built like that. And one day my brother, I saw brother Wade had uh, weights at home. I was like 13 years old, brought the weights at home and he was working out. And I, as time went on, it was before I was 13, he was working out. As time went on, I saw him getting built and I was like, okay, I start tying those together. You start tying things together. And I and that's when I started getting involved in the one the weight train. And I would just go there on his bench press and I would pull around with his weight set when he wasn't around, of course. And I'd be on there trying to bench, max bench, every every that was a big thing back then, max benching, right? You had to do oh, how much you bench? You always hear that. So I'm just trying. I would, I would, in fact, I went to 7 Eleven, thought I got, I got a, a, this milk drink. Me and my cousin, my brother, we all went to, went to get the strength. It was milk. It was some, some kind of energy. It wasn't even energy. It was just, a, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to come back and lift it again. And finally, I get the weight. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It, you know, and you think the drink did it. And really, it's because it took about an hour later to do, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, that's what propelled me into the weightlifting universe. Just that whole wanting to be a stronger version of myself as a as a young man, and it was just innate in me. It wasn't something that was pushed on me, or or it just it, it it's just I just felt that's what I gravitated towards, and that's how I got the weight training. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So you based it off of the comic book character, and then you saw your brother lifting weights. So then where after that, what did you decide to do? I mean, so you started lifting when you were, how old were you then? 13. 13. So, and now you're still doing it, right? 48. <laughs> All right. So you've been doing it for many, many years. But along those, that journey of all those years, I know you had some struggles, you know, going through it all and stuff. But uh, what, what did you kind of experience where uh, – you felt like that you couldn't do so much more or you you did something where you could have injured yourself and now you're you know you're teaching me not to do things like that oh yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so well <laughs> how i eventually got into it got into it was yeah i was working at a young age but i started seeing people they were coming, my friends were coming over in my early 20s now i went down every rabbit hole arnold schwarzenegger encyclopedia bodybuilding mm -hmm. read that thing back to back then I like not like today where you go online and you have the internet and you can pick up a routine. We had we ordered things like muscle magazines, 
And in the back of them, they would have some kind of article. Oh, get big, do this, do that. And I and I found this method. It was like it's called the Bulgarian method. And I did that for a few years. I got in a parallel and then I started creating routines of my own. And then what I noticed is that people wanted that. And I and I wanted to do something. I noticed the biggest thing is I want I wanted to do something that when it came to health offense. I wanted to do something that pertained to what I was doing already. And I didn't know how but I was going to. Mm. My parents didn't think that was a good idea because they thought, go get a job. You're not making any money doing this. And I was like, how do I, how do I make a career or something out of what I'm doing? Out of what I, what I really, really like to do. Yeah. And what I noticed was that my friends were coming around. I was teaching them. And then uh, I said, okay, I, well, first I listened to my parents. So I went and got a job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I used to work with my dad too. We had a bait and tackle shop, mm-hmm. so I would work in the basement, and we would also bait and tackle. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And I couldn't do that forever, so I worked at a warehouse for a little bit, and then eventually one of my friends worked at a place called Hardshell Cafe, and he was the cook there. My friend Joe Madera, he actually owns Madera Seafood at this point. <laughs> That's a plug for him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's at uh, yeah, Newtown. Newtown. Is it? Yeah. Newtown. You're right around that area, Newtown. So it's a farmer's market. Anyway, digressing here. So we, um, he and I, uh, he asked me to come work with him in a couple other places too. So we, and I just followed him as he was a chef and I was, and I decided, yeah, I'm a good, I have good work ethic. And I started working with, as a as a dishwasher and then a prep cook and I just kind of enjoyed that believe it or not that was one of my believe it or not dishwashing is therapeutic I swear to God <laughs> not always but it was for me then because it was just like you just moved you didn't have to think about it uh-huh. and about a year into it I realized that to me this isn't what I want to do of course I'm in my early twenties going out you know having fun and all that stuff. And my buddy, he's the one who actually told me, my buddy Joe. He said, down the street, because it was where we lived, it was, um, in the Chamonix, uh, by the Chamonix Mall, down the street there was another gym called Peak Strength of Fitness. And this guy, Lou, owned it. And he told me, Yo, you should check out the gym. I know you want to get your foot in the door of something when it comes to health and fitness. So I went to this gym, and I went up to the owner. And much like I'm talking to you, we had a conversation. And he asked me, what is so special about you? And of course, I go into the whole spiel of how working out. He's like, everybody works out. What's so special about you? Well, I have good work ethic. And so he, uh, he turned me away, right? And I kept pursuing him. Third time, told me I had the job. He's, he loved my tenacity. He loved that I kept going after it. He gave me the job. And then he also gave me the keys of the place. And then he would go to Thailand. And then I would open up early for him when him not even be around. And I, and I cleaned the gym. I, I sold it. I was literally, it was like a desk like this and people would come in and I would greet them. And I cleaned the gym. I would sell product. I sold memberships and there was no training program. But then I developed a personal training program at that gym called Peak Strength of Fitness. And he came, actually came back one day on vacation and he came up to me and he whispered in my ears, like, he said, what was going on? I told him, they did not care. Because I was bringing revenue into the gym. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. You get to what you're doing, as long as you keep doing what you're doing, right? Only bringing people in still and everything. So as long as I was able to take care of everything else and his clients could, if, if somebody comes to the gym that saw a memory, they had to, it, it was known, right? It was a little different. I wouldn't do that now, right? I'm not training people on the, on the side. 
So that was my launch in the personal training. I came with my own prices, my own programs, and I had a decent clientele. But what happened was they ended up selling that uh, gym to the, to he said that sold that gym to another couple and that couple and I worked for them for a little bit and that's what launched me into the next part of my career. Okay. Yeah. And which is, <laughs> it's, it's what I told you. It's a long yeah, story. Yeah, this is, I, uh, so, so what happened, so what happened was then I worked, <laughs> the guy who, who bought the gym, really nice guy. He, him and his wife, uh, he was still working as a pharmaceutical rep and they were trying to make this gym work and move move to Thailand, <laughs> the place where he was always going to. Okay. And so I, you know, they'd have a training program and I helped develop a training program for that place. And so the, the so the, he started doing training too. And we were both like, long side by side, but he couldn't afford me anymore. So what happened was one of the guys who came in there all the time, really nice guy. He he saw me working there for years. We were friends because of the owner too. Mm-hmm. And the owner's like, why don't you work for him? And he could probably he could pay you more. It could more of a career path. And he hired me as an environmental technician. Uh, you know what that is? No, I don't. But... Yeah, I still don't know what it is. <laughs> You're right. A totally different career, right? Right. So I now didn't have GPS back then. Uh-huh. And I had a 64 and a half year old Mustang with and I and I and actually that is it. There is a sixty four and a half, uh, 65, 65. So it actually had like seven and a half cylinders though, and that's like you know because this thing would always be stalled on me. Now we have GP, and I'm driving to New York City. I'm driving to landfills, and, and I'm not like outside of the outskirts of the landfill, but the oil refineries. And the, I worked for a place called EarthTech, really, really good place. That would, with what they did was they they would try to make environments more clean. So you would they would I would go out and take groundwater samples, I, or I'd be set up where it's already set up a filtration system. Uh, so you, I don't think they're honestly as good as EarthTech was. It, uh, their job was to get them as clean as they they could be, mm. and and and. So I did that for about two and a half months, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Oh, by the way, I was working for uh, like I worked for that other place, right? Um, for Peak, but then I left it totally. And you know, like the only thing I was doing, I was still doing part time training a little bit. Okay. Uh, I but I wasn't working for the gym anymore, so I wasn't getting paid hourly anymore. I was only getting paid for the clients I had, be about seven thousand a year, I think, or something like that, off of training. So it wasn't a lot. It wasn't me. I wasn't rewrite. Uh, like I wasn't keeping me afloat. A, a and I was raising a daughter at the time with her mother, and we were, and and before we split, so we had all that we had all that going on. And I would, you know, it was long hours. I hated it. There was no GPS. So I'm driving home. I'm missing exits. And I, I, I'm stalling. I absolutely hate it. So I called him up and he knew right away the guy who hired me, what I was going to say. And I left, took my certification that I got, it was American Counseling of Exercise. It was a credit a certification. Went to Bally Total Fitness. My brother told me about it. My brother Jack, who bought the weight, said he used to work out there. And another guy, uh, and, and then, then apparently somebody else must have told them about me. And then I went in there and I got interviewed. And they, they so they had different levels of training, one to four, and four being the highest level that you can get paid. And right off the bat, because of my certifications and my experience, I was able to become a level four trainer right off the bat. So I, I was hired. I didn't, I, but I didn't go back for like a month. If you look at January, I remember this. So I didn't go back for a, a whole month. And then the guy's like, I thought you were going to come back. 
And well, I was taking some time for myself, mental break, let myself recenter. So I went back and I started working and you would go on the floor and you would talk to people and that's how you present and you would ask them they they want or they would have people come in and you would give them over uh, a, a training breakdown real quick and then present to them so i built my book up i would do cold calls mm-hmm. i would cold call i worked the floor and then anybody who came to the gym and then i would ne- one of the things i would never do by the way is never waver on the price i would, maybe a few a, a few bucks here and there but it's they you can go down to certain levels, and um, because of that, my book, I, I, the people, and even the PT director at the time, I was yeah. just going really deep. I was like, "Why don't you train for a lower price?" And I said, "I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. This is one part." So, and what happened was, I was actually the busiest trainer, and I made the. Uh, and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this is this could, people can use this for themselves too. Sure. Even is uh, people pay pay the most attention, and as long as you're providing a good service too. So. What, from me working at my mom and dad's house, from the mom and pop shop, and from years of having people come in customer service, taught me that. So I, so I took that same type of mentality and I use it in business. So everything I brought was so even for you, like we, I, I try to create like I want a relationship because it, once you build a relationship, then everything else comes easy. And then, and then uh, what happened was I built my book up to where it was like I was booked, and then, uh. Yeah, it's a good problem. To have. It was a good problem to have. But then, two thousand eight crash happened, oh. and I everybody from I swear to God, the gym looked like it was a ghost town. It was like nobody in the gym, nobody in the gym. I barely had any clients. I went from making. I mean, now we're talking. We're talking after taxes and after the half they took off from me, and I would. I, so you would, you would charge a certain amount, but they would take half of the pretty much sixty percent of your profit. I was still making seventy two. So, and, but then by then I was making, I think it was like 40, 50. Right. And then I stick, stuck around, stuck around, stuck around a couple of years went past 2012 comes around. My sister has a wedding in Jamaica. I go to the wedding in Jamaica. Now the gym's flourishing again. People are coming back. We had really good months. There was commissions now on top of it. We get to the, we get to Jamaica. We have a great time. It was a great, it was a beautiful time. I loved it. On my way back, we had these. The, we still had the. We had cell phones at this time. But finally, look, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it would open up, and you have, and, and I, you get the. So I had a, the top of the line button, and then the internet doesn't go until you land. Not like today, you have internet on these planes. Yeah, yeah. So we land, and all of a sudden, you know, bing, 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 and my PT director and other people are just starting. Alley Total Fitness, where I worked for for ten years, sold to LA Fitness. Mm. So what's that mean? That means my pay got cut to less than a third of what I was making. So this, for instance, if you're ma- if I was making fifty grand a year, I was making now eight hundred dollars a month. Multiply that by twelve. That's how much I was making a year. I was also, by the way, under contract to buy the house that we're in right now. <laughs> under contract to buy this house, and. I'm now also. Oh, by the way, me and my, me and the, my daughter's mom we split up, but we're we're we're, we're co-parenting, uh, and but through through that, I was still the the breadwinner, right? So I I'm raising my daughter now. She's living with me, and what I had I end up having to do. I'm thinking, how am I going to make ends meet? I'm making seven dollars a half hour, making eight hundred dollars a month. 
I'm working barely part-time. So what I did was I just worked there as long as I could. And then what they did, they did me this favor. You know what the favor is? Yep, I, I believe so. Like, you go ahead. They laid me off. Yeah. <laughs> Open your eyes a little bit, right? Well, I was already wanted to leave. Yeah, but they pushed you this. You know, right. Something was pushing you. Right. I wanted to leave and I already had a plan. So I left there, lived with my brother for about a year while I was under contract buying this house still. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I built up enough equity to eventually, when I moved out of there, to build garage fitness in my backyard. Mm -hmm. And hence, that's like with this shirt. This is like one of my second logos, by the way. This is my yeah, newest okay. one. Yeah. But I like this shirt a lot. So just to me, it was like, oh, I'm going to wear this one today. Yeah. <laughs> Old school style. So you had a gym at your brother's house? Yes. Yeah, okay. It was called, we, it was his idea actually to call it garage fitness as a joke. Mm -hmm. He was like, why don't we call it garage fitness? I said, all right, that's what we're going to call it. And then I made an LLC and then I made it, I, then I, you know, of course, I made it a business, right. and I took all the. And what I originally what I was going to do is turn all the. I was going to help people build garage fitnesses around the United States. Mm -hmm. That was one of my dreams. Uh, pandemic kind of a, it, it kind of pushed me into that, and then also pushed me away from it too because not everybody wants that either. So you got to move with the market once, and if you're and not to say that it can't still be done. Uh, to help uh, license out garage fitness and people can have their own garage fitnesses and I can help them be modeled or I can drop off a, something that could be a mobile in their backyard would become the garage. Not to say I can't still go down that road, but right. that's not where I'm at right now. I kind of step away from that. I was doing, um, I was a business consultant for a little bit, but without digressing too much, I opened up garage fitness here and I ran it for, I've been running that for over 11 years and I and I, I literally took my own business model, the business model from Bally's, and I revamped it and made it made it even better. And and my book was like I was book solid. I mean, I'm talking about like 40, 50 hours a week. Now I scaled back a little mm -hmm. bit on that part of the training, and now I'm working more towards online training because that's the way that that's the way the world's going. Right. Uh, nothing wrong with in person. I love in person training, as you've seen today. Yeah, how'd you like it? It was great. A little different. Totally right? different. Right. Yeah, totally different. Right. So you get a little different feel when you're in person. Uh, I love in person, but you can't reach everybody in person. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I've learned that. And that's why I'm really, I started really going into the world of uh, being online business. Yeah. And I think that's a good avenue to go down because you have your knowledge and your skills and everything else that you can share with everybody else that you can't personally see, you know what I mean? So just like for me. I, so I'm like an hour away, you know, and uh, I don't know if we would ever met being an hour away, you know what I mean? Um. So you you're you you have garage fitness now and you're growing your clientele and stuff and starting to do everything online. So uh what what I mean so throughout throughout you learning all the uh fitness background and everything, I mean what what did you what's what's going to the fitness area, right? So what what things did you find where you struggled like you said he had some injuries and stuff to me personally. Now, is that something that you, and obviously you learned the hard way, right? right? And you're passing it on to your clients, like do this. Why are you doing it like this? You know what I mean? Um, what, so, so like, do you have some kind of examples and stuff? I have tons of examples. Yeah, well, it's a few. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't go crazy. Uh, so I'll just get, I'll, uh, I, I, 
I did. I did get eventually get into competing bodybuilding. Okay. I I, so I won some bodybuilding competitions. I've trained other people to train for bodybuilding competitions, and prior to that, even my first competition, I had injured myself multiple times because I had that David Goggins type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Like literally, like so I will not you stop. Were hard, right? No, no matter what, I was. Like, <laughs> I will stay hard. You know, like, like stay hard. So I stayed hard, but it stayed hard. Like like a herniated disc. I had uh, well, plus I played sports too. Okay. So, but the weightlifting was were the catalyst for the sport for the injuries the most because I was just I wouldn't I wouldn't stop even when I was injured. It's like one thing I could teach a lot of young men is you gotta have a good coach or you really really have to dial it in, do your do your research and understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. There's so much misinformation out there, and even even with the internet out there, I see people tons of people when I go to a gym doing things wrong. I watched them doing squats wrong. I watched them doing better rows wrong. Uh, they watched them doing deadlifts wrong. And then I, I speak on all these things. My injuries were so bad that I couldn't even, uh, I couldn't even play with my daughter. Right. And even when I went to Bally's, it was, it was bad. It was bad. And it took years of learning what not to do again, and then revamp my routines and rehab myself. Then all the things I taught myself is what I teach other people now. Okay. Rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, ankle, plantar fasciitis, you name it, herniate disc, L5, LS1, neck herniations, um, you name it, elbow, I blew up my elbow. I, I, I had a probably, pretty much every tendon type of injury you probably could have, immediate epidemiol injuries, so that's, that's a, the, not to get too technical, but things that, like in here where you bursitis and all. And now what I do is when I train people, it's very methodical. And I, and not that I'm sitting there studying all the science myself, but there's a lot of people that I follow who have the science. And then I research the science that they, the ones that I, because well, if you're in any, any type of business long enough, you can start reading between lines. Mm-hmm. And or, or some people don't. Uh, and I look at things from a, a non-biased way as much as I can when it comes to, especially fitness, you can't. People can say certain things until they until you do the research on it. When it when it comes to the body, when it comes to nutrition, and and the, like I was on your show the other night or the master class, mm-hmm. and you you seen it even on that. Like everybody has their own um, ideology. People have their own belief systems. Right. What they hold on to, which sometimes can hold them back. And my belief system go back to the injured. Was if I stop, I'm not I'm going to lose my muscle. If I stop, I'm going to be less than. So there's self confidence that I was building up with that, and now I'm losing that self confidence mm-hmm. because I'm trying to live it through an identity that I was holding on to, and that's how the injuries kept happening, right? Because I wouldn't I wouldn't step back and and allow myself to recover gotcha. the way I should have. So mentally, I was still a child here, right? I was strong as an ox bench I, I was very methodical written everything down I, my programs were on point but if i you i couldn't take time off yeah. and if you did take time off it was only because you're injured yeah. and even if you're sick you're working out right yeah. like it was insane i i would then i got to like it, and it always challenged myself so that's the rabbit hole i want people to be careful to go down of going down mm-hmm. because what will happen is like you get obsessed with it but not in a good way but i think the most successful people in the world are obsessed yeah think so too uh do you come across a lot of people that have these injuries and they think they can't work out older people yes definitely that's a great question because there's a lot of people i remember being a uh, when i 
we had um fairs and things like that. I used to jump into the fairs and and the the, the Bentstown Fair or whatever it is, and I would have a table set up. Mm. And I remember people coming around, like, I can't do that. I have a I have a herniated disc, or I have this, or I have that. And and if you if you look at it, if it, if you look at a lot of the internet today, you can see people out there with like no limbs, mm-hmm. people with one arm, people with no arms. I, I like there's a guy on TikTok who literally goes on a treadmill. And he has no, and he has one arm. I think he has, and he has no legs, and he just does this on the TikTok and lives. Yeah. And so there's no reason you can't work out, right? But if you do have an injury, I, there's other things you could do to help out. Like I'm working with somebody right now who been to the doctors, been to been, been the re did all the the uh, rehab type of work that that she was told to do, and still hasn't any relief. Came to me second session already starting to feel relief mm-hmm. because we did things that they are outside the scope of practice that they're allowed to do. Right. Or they're, or whatever it is. And and we try different things. We give it different things. Um, well, all right, maybe this is what, it, so this is what they, they said it is. This is what we're going to do. There's, this is, could help this out. This maybe have a muscle balance here. So we try that out to see if that, how that affects it. So there is some trial and error when you're rehabbing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of time uh, with medical field, there's by the books and a lot of it's like med- med- uh, medication pushing. Like, here you go, take this. That'll that'll mess the problem for yeah. a while. Yeah. Like, this will shut you up. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, That's where our society is. Yeah, and and that basically puts them back on the couch, right? And, right. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, put yeah. them back on the couch so they can buy more of this. Right. There you go. Yeah, they're not motivated. They're not doing anything. So you're physically helping somebody, right? That does nothing to their brain and make them mentally stronger in any way. Are you asking me? It does. Yes, it does. Actually, it it, after the age of 25, and I love this subject because a lot of people think. I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole for one second about this. We, We what we have is a society of people who want to be better. I feel like they want to be. I feel most people do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if telling the information from all the all the data I've seen, telling them how painful something is that it's going to change unless they experience it themselves. So I, you could tell somebody a smoker and put them in front of a screen of all the damaging things it does to your body. But it doesn't change a person from smoking. Actually, sometimes they showed even cocaine. It shows they want that thing more. Because now you're showing it to them, right? Um, I don't know showing all the data of 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 like how your it, like it, it improves your cognitive ability. At the it's the only thing working out. By the way, is the only thing that stops you from declining cogn- your cognitive ability from retaining information and be able to um, your long term your long term retention memory retention and also have the conversation and be able to like um transfer information from from my brain to you mm-hmm. I, it's a, it's a lot more clear than if i wasn't working out at the age of 25 it's declining it's actually there actually studies now that it helps with dementia it either slows it down or stops it all together prevents it from happening now i just told you that does that make people work at do people still want to work out that's not that, that doesn't do it and then i pull out more stats and then I and then I found out recently, if if you and I were the same age, we're around the same age, and you work out, if, if let's use for, use for example, you had somebody your age standing right next right next to you and didn't work out, but you work out, mm-hmm. and now it's got to be three hours a week. This is this, the study says, 
It's going to be zone two cardio mixed with resistance training. Three hours total a week. We'll, we'll increase and lower your all, uh, all actually lower your all cause mortality by 50%, meaning all, all ways to die. You standing next to that, you have a less chance, 50% less chance of dying. They have a 50% more chance, either whatever, whatever way you want to look at it. Right. So you're looking at it that way. If you look at it that way, then that's it, another one. But still, that doesn't, people still don't want to work out. Right. People, and working out is actually the most important, even if we touch your diet, working out is more important than the diet, even. Working out, there's something showing now, increasing muscle mass is the most important thing that you can do for your body. And of course, other things you can dive into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it, I mean, so what do you think would motivate these people to start to do? It's maybe up a little bit. I can't see it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you think would motivate these people to do, uh, to start exercising, even if it was just like a walk or something, right? Um, I think the biggest thing when it comes to motivating people is I, what I've noticed is they got to experience some type of pain themselves first. Mm. It's hard to It's hard to motivate people who don't see the value in it. So when somebody sees a value in something, that's why we make, that's why people pay for things because it shows you the value in it. And especially service industries. When, when I charge what I charge, I charge that for a reason because the people that aren't willing to pay that aren't going to be put to work in anway. Mm -hmm. The people that are willing to pay are, are the ones that are going to pay to pay attention. You always hear that. Yeah, well, maybe not always, but you're going to hear it from me. People who pay, pay attention, right? It's more likely. So if if they're, they're seeing value in it now, it's like a kid. If you take a kid and you you um the, the whole life they they've been given things, right? Use your kids for example, and you just gave they they don't know the value of money. Right. They have no idea until they go out in the workforce themselves. My daughter's twenty one now, right? She's working for herself now. She's starting to understand the value of what that dollar does, the time and effort that they put in. So they're not going to see the time. They're not going to do the work if you just give them something. And they're also, if they're, and we'll go back to what you were saying, if something's got to move the needle, and usually it's pain. Pain usually moves the needle. Can we talk about you for a second? Is okay. okay? Yeah. All right. So you've been through what? A divorce. Sure. Right? Sure. Do you think that helped you, motivated you to want to do better for yourself? Oh, absolutely. Right. So there's pain. Pain is one of the biggest movers and motivators in the world. Um, and it, it's like when you're it makes you, and you're uncomfortable. The difference is though, when people are uncomfortable in to say today's society, and actually all it's not like any more than the, the thing is we just have more vices now. It was always the same. We always have the same brain. We're always looking for comfort. Right. But now we have more vices. So because of that, we look for comfort. We seek comfort before we seek um uh, growth. Yeah. And so I wanted to go down another avenue a little bit here. So uh, back in the day, like caveman days or whatever, right, we would always have to fight for food and do stuff like that. So we, I think we were physically fit, you know, because we don't know where our next meal is coming from. So we had to go chase it or whatever it was. How many years is back in the day? This is a long time ago. <laughs> but uh you know, now all these foods available to you. So you're constantly, it, you're just eating, you know, because your body just wants to keep on eating, right? Like that's what you're, you know, but now we know where all the food's coming from. So we're just eating like we were back then. 
Right. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. I can. I, that's something I, I dive into all the time. I talk about. Mm-hmm. Now, there's there's two things I'm going to talk about here. Yeah. One, I agree. When you see it this way, probably a, a better way of eating. But here's a number. Here's the here's number two caveat to that is we think called evolution. We evolved, and now we got to adapt to our society. So we're not the same as we were back then. We were dying at a much younger age sure. <laughs> where we have modern medicine. Now we have a, actually food is at the, with food. What happened? Our brains increase in size. And because we, we start cooking our food, that's how it happened because of cooking the food. We actually get more calories. And then our brain, this is what, this is what studies have shown. Now people might argue that hey. I don't, it doesn't, I'm not here to argue. I'm here to just talk about what I've learned and, and our brains increase in size, which became, we became smarter and that's how we evolved. Right, because of cooking, cooking food. So there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, that's how we used to do things. Now we're just where we're at. We're not going to go back. Like a lot of people talk about doing like less, like doing a one meal and our, and they start talking about um how our cells regenerate because of that and intermittent fasting and, and like going down that rabbit hole and not taking care of what the real problem is in your fitness. It, so they're bringing up the old intermittent fasting and arguing for this for these concepts and ketogenic diets and they're and they're arguing for it, but in reality they're still doing a lot of other things wrong that are the worst things they could possibly be doing. Which if they took that away, wouldn't even matter. That's a, that's the last thing you should be worried about. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. There's so much things that you could change. Um, I, you got you got you got me there. I you know what I mean. Let's see what else I can I ask you, Gordon. Uh, oh yeah, I was I was going to ask you um, if somebody was to start out, what would you suggest just starting out, right? And, and just like a basic person, right? Somebody that just says, well, you gotta give me the, give me an example. I would that... give you an example. What's that? I will give you an example. Okay, okay. Somebody has just been sitting on the couch and says, "I got to do something," but I'm not. I'm not. I don't have the money to go ahead and start, you know, training with somebody, even though I think that's the best route to go. Um, and I, I'll go down a little rabbit hole. If you okay, like. yeah, yeah. Uh, so today, before I came, I shared this a little bit with you, this story. Um, I stopped at Chick-fil-A. I needed something to eat. Yeah, I have, you know, I didn't eat nothing for breakfast. So I watched my calories. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but the young lady, you know, was I was waiting for my food and she was asking me, she's like, uh, yeah, how's your day going or whatever? And I said, well, and, and I asked her back and she, I, she said, good or whatever. I can't remember for sure, but uh, something, something good. And so I just like, oh yeah, I'm going drive an hour to go see my personal trainer. She's like, oh, do you go an hour every time? And I'm like, no, I, I do it virtually, but you know, I'm meeting up with them. And, she, and so she's asked me, she's like, uh, that's expensive, isn't it? And I said, well, it depends on how you look at it. I said, you can either try to, you know, and she was bringing it up too, that she, you know, she was thinking about figuring out her, her own, you know, if she ever decided to go that route. And I said, it depends on how you look at it. You know, you can either spend all that time trying to learn everything and try to figure out what works for you. Cause I tried that for over a year and I saw results, but I didn't get what I was getting now in the past six months. Um, so she, she continues that she, you know, she could go that route. And, and then I said, or you can pay somebody else that knows all that experience already and share that with you and you can get the results in a short amount of time. And then our conversation kind of ended 
there. But um, I bring that up because I was trying to share with everybody that, you know, you don't have to, I think it's best that you could pay, you get the experience and you can learn even just a month or six months, right? Six months is definitely a game changer. Right. But if somebody doesn't have that yet, you know what I mean? And they want to get started with something. I, I, in my eyes, just, I just basically getting up and walking and doing a few push-ups or something. Maybe I, here, here's my, here's my free advice. And it's actually worth, it's, it's something I teach that even people, people pay for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Pay. And my, and I said it in my book and I say it to everybody is like, start small. All right. Is start small. Right. And what I, what do I mean by that? That means, you get yourself to the gym and you just get there. I don't care if it's for five minutes or it's an hour. I don't care if you mess around the machine. Don't hurt yourself. Uh, you know, get somebody to help you walk you around or whatever it is, or maybe have a free personal training session or whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Get yourself to the gym and just get there. Start making, making small little changes. So you're going to look at your, one of the things I would do is look at your lowest hanging fruit. Now, Jordan Peterson talks about this. I've always loved this. You find out what the worst thing that you do, and I'll use an example of myself. All right. So where there was a point where I was drinking a little bit every night, uh, one, two, three drinks at night, and then I was getting up and I felt a little more exhausted the next day. Uh, and then I would drink heavy, more heavily on the weekends. And I was very, I'm very, I'm already working out. I'm already pretty fit, but I was burning the can on both ends. And then mentally I was, I wouldn't say other people saw it so much as myself saw it because nobody's going to notice that, right? Because most of America, 80% are doing that. Of Americans are doing that. Uh, if they're going out and the week, they're drinking at night, they're drinking on the weekends. So that was the worst thing I did. When I got rid of the lowest hanging fruit and I eradicated, and I'm not saying, I don't ever want to have another drink again or might never drink it. I always have it open, right? But day by day, I say, I don't want to do that anymore to myself. I did a lot of research on it and then I understood that was the worst thing I possibly do. Mm-hmm. So that was my lowest hanging fruit. Nothing else was going to get better until I took care of that first, Yeah. right? If you're staying up late, if you're snacking, if you're all these things, that's the worst thing you do. You're going to, you got to get, you got to get rid of it. But the thing is if you just get rid of it and don't replace it with something else, yeah. it's gonna all you're doing is having a void there. And when you have a void, that was where the problem happens of bouncing back into the old bad habits. Not only are they familiar to you and they're comfortable to you, but they're also you're not feeling that void of anything. So another thing I stole from Jordan Peterson's book is to have an adventure. Mm-hmm. So do something that's gonna replace it. And activity is one of the best things you could do. If so if you're a person who I, I know this sounds might go a little against the grain because you don't really want to work out at night sometimes because it wakes your body up. But if you feel like you're gonna have to take a snack instead of snacking, get up and do 15, 20 jumper jacks. If you can't do jumper jacks, jog in place. Yeah. If you can't do that, do a plank. Like there's so many if every every excuse that you give me, I have an answer. Yeah. Right. And I it might sound arrogant. But I got an answer for you. The thing is, are you going to take action on that on that answer, mm-hmm. or are you going to make another excuse for yourself? Mm-hmm. And so, the the other question I have then is, would you consider somebody looking at uh, their their weight, right, as far as like losing weight, or but let me look at it this way: exercising, the nutrition, 
or if there's something else I'm not thinking of, would would you tell them to look at one thing versus the other first? Well, well, first of all, take a step back, mm-hmm. look at it from a bird's eye view. Look at yourself. Observe yourself from an unbiased place, because mm-hmm. you're going to want to look at it from the, you're going to look at all your excuses up front, up close, and then when you step back, you're, you can look at it from somebody else's point. Like pretend like you're not you for a second. Yeah. And just observe yourself. What am I doing wrong? What if I were to? All right, here's a good way to look at it. If that was my dog, or if that was my kid, how would I take care of them? Yeah. How would how would you show up for them? Right. Why aren't you showing up for the same way yourself? Why aren't you loving yourself like you're loving their dog, your animal, your kid, your spouse, or whoever it is? Why are you showing up differently for yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. And other people can see what you're doing too. So, oh, of course, good or bad, right? Good or bad. Yeah. Oh, everybody, people observe, they might not say nothing, but they know sure. you're they, they're watching you, sure. And that allows that person, whoever it is, can go down whatever avenue they decide to go. They can follow the people that are exercising, people that aren't, right? Right, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But, but back to what your question, yeah. you're, you're observing yourself, you're looking outside yourself, you now you got to figure out what you could do to better your life. There's some things you might not want to get rid of. And that's totally fine too. There's some vices that people say, I'll never get rid of that. And that's fine. As long as it's not harmful to you or people around you. Now, if it, if you're like, I'll never, I'm never gonna stop like drinking, or I'm never gonna like, oh, I I, I know, you know, if it's making you depressed and it's giving you anxiety, then that's when you should that's when you should be looking at it. So it's different. If 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 food's giving you anxiety because you're gaining weight, you're not able to uh, I, I just had a call from somebody, and they 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 had to, like, every time they get up, they had to hold on to something, and and or it, like get up to their mobility. So as we get older, our mobility goes down, or we start getting heavier, we, and we make excuses for ourselves. Until you stop making excuses for yourself, then you're not going to see any results. Until you start looking at it from a, a different point of view and loving yourself. That's why I say love yourself where you're at, and realize you have room for growth. Yeah. Too many people want to. So many people in our society want to say right now the narrative is love yourself for who you are. That like f that fat shame and shit, f that all that stuff, right? And I'm saying no, no, like yeah, it's it, like look at yourself, observe yourself. Are you really truly happy with yourself? Are you pretending to be happy for your with yourself because society now is letting you be comfortable with that with what you what you don't really want to be anyway? Like, and and don't. Get out, step out of that comfort zone and become uncomfortable a little bit. I heard, I heard, who was talking about about a lobster. Lobsters, they shed the, they shed their shells, they go off because they're and they, and they get rid of the hard shell and because it's uncomfortable to them. And then they put it in it, they, you know, of course, the soft shell and then it becomes hard again. It gets big and whatever size, that's how they grow. Right. Well, we, we mask it with TV, we mask it with social media, we mask it with video games drugs, alcohol, and anything we do to escape. Anything we get to do to escape, that's what we're looking for. And listen, I'm no different than anybody else. I love doing things that are like, like my guilty pleasures, right? Don't get me wrong, but I really, you have, to, you have to really understand that those guilty pleasures are going to be the things that are going to be your biggest downfalls too. Gotcha. Uh, just go back on that. I, I look at it a little bit differently than how you're looking at it. I, I am grateful for where I am because I could be in a worse position, although I still look at myself growing. 
that's how I'm, I'm looking at it. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, that's, yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Maybe you misunderstood me. So I think you got to love yourself where you're at and then want to grow. The thing is, people will say, I love myself where I'm at. And there's, there, I don't need to grow. I don't, you should have set me for who I am. Yeah. You should have set me for who I yeah, am. Yeah. I look at it as it could be worse, right? So I'm good here, but I can go so much further. Right. Yeah. No, I, that's, no, I agree. So, I know how to contact you, <laughs> but others probably don't. So could you just share how other people can reach out to you and either talk to you one-on-one to, about health and fitness and maybe become a client if it's possible? Right. There's a lot of different ways to contact me. Right now, I'm doing it through my cell phone number, and they can uh, text Warriors Be Fit. Mm-hmm. Now, Warriors Be Fit is another a program that I started, but I still they, – they, uh, we can uh, text – that or Garage Fitness, either or. Uh, the number is 267-322-1011. Okay. And my also have a website, if you guys want to look me up, garagefitnesspa.com. G-A-R-A-G-E-F-I-T-N-E-S-S-P-A.com. And you can find all of my information there. You can book a calendar call with me. So people can book calendar calls too, which is... You can set up a Zoom call, mm-hmm. and then we have a. What I like to do. This is my. This is my process for people. Anybody who's watching this, is what it, what they can do is they can contact me, and then I can send them a, a link to Zoom, and then we can sit on a Zoom call, and then we can find out a little bit more about that person, about about you, and what I'll do is then we break it down. What are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? What what goal? What are your goals? So this is going to be tailored towards each each individual. A lot of these programs that people make aren't tailored towards somebody, and it could be a small little tweak. Like I hired coaches before. I'll use a great example. And it's like, oh, you just need to hire a coach, that business coach. What I ended up happening was they they didn't see eye to eye with me. And then when I hired somebody that was more that did it already in my same field, and I it's like more relatable, right? And I understood it more. So they under and they then they worked with me one on one. And I felt like I, in that way, I've learned a lot more because I'm more. It was more tailored towards me than it being being a one size fits all. Right. And that's with diet. That's with working out routines. That's where like some exercise, like you know, me and you are working out. I'm training you, and I give you some exercises that might not really you might not be feeling, or some you're like, oh, can we do this instead? Yeah, and and just to touch on that a little bit, I have I have dumbbells at home, but I have to put weights on them so they're not like a solid piece. Um, so for the most part, I've been using the barbell versus that sometimes because it, you know, yeah, for safety reasons and other reasons. But so th- there's two different ways that you could work out some exercises or more. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, are you are you able to touch on the Warriors Be Fit briefly or no? Yeah, we can touch on it real quick. You just share a little so bit. The Warriors Be Fit was a, is a new now I could garage fitness and that and that's my training program that I train. Anybody who wants to lose weight, the my what I do now is I help people who feel stuck and are stuck in a plat in a plateau, whatever plateau that is, and a weight loss plateau to help them. Uh, so usually they're stubborn or fat, like they're feel like they can't get there. That's what garage fitness is online uh, training is in in person training too. So anybody who wants to lose weight, lose belly fat, who had that they is sick of this, that this is where I help them overcome that and get to the next level. Now, what I did was I created another program called Warriors Be Fit. 
and Warriors Be Fit, what I did, John, was I made that for men. I made it for men just like you and I who want to level up and become the best version of themselves. And within that community, they're going to get a lot. They're going to get they're going to get accountability. They're going to get programs. They're going to get, like, of course, of course, community, right? Community is the biggest thing. We if we touch base with just on those three alone without going all the other stuff. Yeah. We could we could sit there for hours. Having a community of people that you can go to at any time when you're and you're in that group, and then they're going through the same thing you're going through or supporting each other is so powerful that it's it, it's it's what I'm what I'm charging for that is gonna it's gonna be you know being it, can, it it's a program that you could be buying for thousands and thousands or masterminding with thousands a month, mm. which I've been part of by the way. So this is a lot. This is more more the more affordable route for a lot of people, but at the same time. It's commitment still. There's still a commitment, and it's a commitment for the people that are involved, the men that are involved in this. And the reason I made it a men's group because uh, it speaks more to uh, I, I, I speak to us. I speak to everybody when it comes to fitness, but when it comes to um, me, I think it relate to me and the same type of. I'm speak. I'm only speaking to the men that want to level up. The other ones I don't really care about. Yeah. Right? I'm not here to help everybody. Right. I'm only here to help people that want to be helped. And if those people want to be that that want to be helped or want to be part of something. And when I say help, I'm not I'm not sitting there saying help is like, oh, you're helpless. Yeah. I'm saying as in we're we're a team, right? Great leaders don't stand in the front. Great great leaders are in the on the battlefront with their with their um with their comrades, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at it. I look at it as being there with that person. I'm playing alongside of them. So we're we're doing this together. Yes, it's my program. It's it, and, and things like that. But it's our community, right? Right. That's cool. You're all. Everybody's going to be growing together, so they can. If I'm sure, if they contact you, you could talk about that a little bit. With Most them. definitely. If man, if somebody wants to contact you about that, which I'm definitely we're going to be pushing more and more. Yeah. I, I was just making a logo, as you saw, and I had a couple of different logo ideas, and so the greatest thing is. Uh, it's it's part of my journey too, right? Yeah. This whole program that I'm creating, people could be at the forefront of this. Yeah. People could be at the very first. Be the first. I I've been I've been the first in other communities, and I'm still part of them, and watching them grow. And these people can grow with me. They could be the 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 founding fathers of this program with me. So there's going to be men out there whoever join. Like I'm gonna, you're gonna be part of it, yeah. right? You're yeah. one of the founding fathers. Right, so you have the you have the you have these founding these people that are at the forefront that grow with you, and that's what the amazing thing is. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's awesome. Um, so I have one question I ask everybody at the end: What are three key things you learned and used along your journey? Three things that I learned and used. Key things I learned and used along my journey. Right. Okay, <laughs> one of the biggest ones. Listen. Yeah. I know I talked a lot today. <laughs> But I listen a lot. Uh -huh. I observe a lot. So if I, if you, if when you and I are talking, yeah. I, I have conversations. I sometimes I lead the conversation, which I do a lot of the time. But then also I've learned that sometimes stepping back and listening is the most important thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Right. So number two was uh, not looking at things from an unbiased as much as biased as we are, we are biased and, and strip it away as much as you can, allowing yourself to look at the data, the reality of things, instead of your feelings was one of the biggest things I use. And it's hard because especially when you're in an emotional state and you're having any type of, and even if it's a, if it's a debate with somebody, 
I, I don't even want to debate with you anymore, really. I don't want to, I don't sit there and try to prove myself right. I'm not on the internet to try, I'm going to share my information, but I'm also going to look at all the information from an unbiased opinion. So I, I tell everybody to look at things from an unbiased standpoint as much as they can and step back from your emotions for a second. Allow yourself to sit in a state of observation and allow you to then look for the, the stuff, even if it's something that you don't believe in. Look at it from another point of view. I've done it both ways and I've argued with people and I noticed that I was doing it wrong. And that's the part was that's why I listen so important, right? That's why I'm biased. And then this is the last, the, the, the last key point. I mean, there's many key points, sure, right? Sure. But the, me thinking off the top of my head with a, a third key point for me uh, was discipline. Now, why, why I'm, I'm thinking, why looking down, I'm thinking to myself, because there's more around that word discipline and there's more around the word bias and there's more around listen because you'll start seeing patterns, right? And within those, and when you watch patterns and you're seeing where the, where, where things go and where the word. So in the discipline part, I learned at a very young age. I learned that from working at my dad, mom and dad's place. I learned that from uh, working out mostly. Now, what I mean by that is everything I did when I worked out is I wrote everything down. If I didn't, if we did get lost in a flood, we had a flood at our house. Okay. We lived on the water. I would have had tons of data of, of, of books. I don't know. I, don't know, I think we threw them out because we had to clean the whole house out. Uh, so all that information, all that, all that, and that data re- I made for myself and the discipline I created for myself was the same discipline that got me to where I am right now today when it, to still be working out age of 48, okay. but still looking for more things to do, starting another business. And, and one of the key things about that is well, even for fitness and even the business and even in life is what I keep hearing. And this is why I said observe. This is why I said listen. This is why this is why I said uh, what's why I'm saying all this is because it feels like it's not working. It feels like something's wrong. It feels like you're you're you're, you're like you're stepping on your own two. Like you're stepping uh, two. You have two left feet. You're just or you have doubt or you're doubting it or whatever it is, and that creeps in a little bit, and then it becomes it starts t- overtaking your thoughts. So that means you're in the right direction. That doesn't mean you stop. Doesn't mean you give up. It means you step right back on again and continue on. And that's where the discipline part comes in. Great. Thank you. Yeah. It was great having you on here. And we got to do this live in person. Yeah, this is so much fun. I love doing yeah. live interviews. I I yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I like you know, I lead, sometimes I lead the conversation and it's hard to it, it, like the biggest thing I think it, for me was always stepping back and listening to people and allowing them to talk. Uh-huh. And and they can, if more people did that, they would learn a lot more and they would see. And I and, and that's what, that's one of the biggest things with clients is I'll listen to them, okay. and then I hear them out first before they or I interject. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it yeah. and do. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Gordon. Thanks, brother. Yep. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. for coming to my uh, <laughs> yeah. dojo. What do you got? What do you, what do you call it? Spanish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. This has been fun. Thank yeah, you. it's been great. Thank yeah. you so much for coming to my basement and sure. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for taking your time listening to Life's Checkmark. If you like this show, please subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next time.